The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host or guest and should not be interpreted as statement of fact. Independent fact-checking and corrections are encouraged. Can we get a cup of coffee in here, please? America, you've got a dog that needs walking. That's right, sunshine. Just put on a big pot of strong coffee and get ready to type your little hate mail with your opinions about kumbaya and flat earth insanity. Stand-up comedy? You want stand-up comedy? Well, we got, well, we've got sit-down comedy. It's time for Coffee with the Dog. You make me laugh. Yes, you do. You make me laugh. Day in and day out. Oh, I love the rock. I want to go to a mosh pit now. Wait, let's look into a mosh pit. I love the way they end it. Like almost like Rush, right? Kind of, kind of a I'm meeting, whatever. You know, uh, messed up lyrics. You picked a good day to stop by, folks. Uh, good morning. It is, what's it today? Tuesday, uh, April 25th, 2023. April feels like it's uh, going a little slow. Generally, April is a, a pretty quick month, but. This one's been too many, uh, too many weeks. The way it works out, weekends and stuff. Anyway, uh, the guest today, Diane Gallagher, and maybe uh, Ben Malbray from Rock the Cash Bar, uh, a podcast about comedians talking about lyrics and uh, sometimes botched, misheard lyrics and that kind of stuff. And so it should be an interesting program. Yesterday. A lot of stuff going on yesterday. But the thing that caught my attention more than all the crap about who's getting fired and who's not getting fired and um, cable TV news is the Matthew McConaughey thing. Matthew McConaughey, the art of living, did a live stream yesterday. And listen, people were upset at the end, when a sales pitch came for, I don't know, walk on water uh, course or something, one of these uh, self-help um, course pitches, you know, online course, or, or I guess it's online, uh, with uh, the likes of Tony Robbins and Dean Graziano and Marie Florio. If you saw, though, and they were part of the advertisement and promotion of that stuff. If you saw that stuff and did not expect the pitch, blame yourself. Don't blame Matthew McConaughey. Now, um, does feel a little slimy, a little dirty, a little grifty for somebody to use their celebrity status 
to be ripping off their fans, oh, ripping off their fans, to be pitching snake oil <laughs> to their fans. But if that's what Matthew McConaughey wants to do with his career, he has a right to do that. If you choose to follow that path, that's on you. I mean, you saw uh, Tony Robbins, you saw Dean Graziano, uh, Marie Florio, and some other uh, like-minded snake oil salesmen um, basically advertised on the whole thing. Now, the thing was really weird. It was McConaughey apparently uh, using all his acting skills, and he's a good actor. You got to you got to give the guy his props. He's a good actor. And uh, like doing a one-man show storytelling about his life and his path to success it had canned laughter. It had uh, canned applause, which made it feel really, really weird. When he was getting emotional at times, he had a, um, a walk through the desert with a holy man who uh, he was afraid of judgment as he was confessing all his life's <laughs> all his life's sins and all all the mistakes he's made and what a rotten person he was and he was uh, crying and the guy looked at him and said me too and that was Matthew McConaughey's uh, big message is yeah we're all fucked up in some way but he chose to hang on the phrase me too which i thought was a little weird coming from a hollywood celebrity pitching his me too moments there were times when he played the bongos i shit you not but he played the bongos terribly uh not bongos one of those uh african um i forget what they call them straight up and down drums with the uh little uh corset type type of um, fold on it. Anyway, he's playing it with one hand at a time. The other hand just sitting there like he didn't know what to do with it. And me being the, uh, that's all I can be, in the chat room, there was a live chat room with it, I wrote, why are you even bothering with that drum if you can't find the beat and you can only use one hand? It's, it's like you're, you're ruining things. It's background music playing and he's offbeat. But he's trying to do this spiritual thing and read the chat comments. And I noticed the chat comments going by. The one before mine was there. The one after mine was there. But somebody was, and they were doing a scroll of the chat stuff. Somebody was obviously able to take my comment out before he could read it on air. So it was a major production. They put some, they, they had a full AV team, three camera angles. Um, and again, the canned applause and canned laughter. It was very, very weird situation. That was the big news for me. I look forward to this week's uh, issues with Andy to hear Andy uh, Andrews take that apart. Because um, I know he watched the whole thing. I could not. I could not uh, hang for the whole thing. It was just, it felt like, first of all, I knew the grift was coming at the end. And I'm not saying that to make me sound smart or anything. You don't have to be smart to understand. There will be grift. Uh, but it just felt so phony and fake. And I'm surprised that he would go, especially, you know, he was 
considering getting into politics and all that stuff, that's not good for your reputation to do something that is pretty transparently fake. Uh, maybe he believes in it. Maybe he believes in, in the Tony Robbins uh, NLP. All you have to do is believe in your life and pow, pow, pow. Uh, all that kind of stuff, but um, I don't know. It felt Jehovah-ish. <laughs> if that makes any sense to anyone. Uh, we are brought to you today by the fabulous Koa Coffee. Uh, get yourself some Koa Coffee, and you'll be glad. I'm drinking Koa Coffee. I got to tell you, I generally I drink a lot of coffee, as you know. Coffee with a dog, right? Uh, I generally get heartburn from uh, strong coffee. Cola coffee, I can make it as strong as I want. Never get heartburn from it. Great coffee. And you can get uh, the coffee I'm drinking at coacoffee.com. Check it out. This episode is brought to you by Koa Coffee. If you are a coffee connoisseur and want to experience the best coffee Hawaii has to offer, no blends, no compromise, Try the true taste of aloha. Koa Coffee produces premium Hawaiian coffee, hand-picked, expertly roasted, and delivered from Hawaii to your door with aloha. From award-winning 100% Kona coffee grown on the slopes of the Mauna Loa volcano to the unique mocha beans of Maui, they strive to provide their loyal customers with the best quality and freshness. Since 1997, Koa Coffee has been known far and wide as a product of utmost quality, and their awards prove it. Koa Coffee was featured in Forbes' Top 10 Coffees of the World. This is the coffee Forbes called the best coffee in America. Find out what it's all about. Go to minddogtv.com slash coffee. This is Jake Jolly, director of Clay Zombies, and you are listening to the best in radio, the big dog of the airwaves, Mind Dog Radio. Oh, yeah. Jake Jolly. Jake Danger Jolly. Uh, get yourself some Koa coffee, uh, and you'll thank me for it. There is a special going on right now. There's a coupon on minddogtv.com. Before I bring my guests in, uh, I, I just want to briefly mention nobody, at least uh, I have not gotten a trigger alert, Nobody found the um, Doug Stanhope uh, prize yesterday on MindDogTV.com. Doug Stanhope is doing a taping of a new special for two days, May 16th and 17th, at Rogan's Club in Austin, Texas. Uh, Noontime taping, day drinking uh, tapings, and we are giving away two tickets, including airfare and hotel. Uh, in the fabulous Austin, Texas. Um, and you have to find the special link on minddogtv.com. Now, this link is only going to work once. I tried to explain this yesterday. It's a little clumsy. You're just going to test all the links, find all the links, even if they look like advertising links. Yeah, this is our way of uh, paying for the whole thing. You click on the link. It will take you to a page to say, congratulations, you've won. Once you get to that page, you have to fill out the forms and do it correctly with a real name, address, and all that stuff. You can't use any um, fake names or any of that stuff because uh, in buying the airline tickets, they want 
uh, to attribute to a real real person. Anyway, uh, you're going to win two tickets to see both shows, both tape, both days taping uh, Doug Stanhope's, uh, I guess, new special in Austin, Texas. My guests today are the hosts of Rock the Cash Bar. Rock the Cash Bar. Rock in the Cash Bar. Rock in the Cash Bar. Uh, it's a song that features comedians discussing song lyrics. Uh, and it's a, a, a cool thing today. My friend James Utley, who's a comedian, <laughs> uh, just said he's uh, he's drinking coffee and listening to The Clash. He just posted that on his uh, Facebook page. I thought that was a good omen. Anyway, they're here now. Uh, please welcome in Diane Gallagher and Ben Mowbray. Uh, I hope I'm saying that right to my uh, Coffee with the Dog show. Guys, welcome. Hi. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. A pleasure to meet you too. I like you both up there and me down here. I like that better. All uh, right. So uh, now you guys do a deep dive into these lyrics, right? With, with yes. Comedians. Um, how do you go about matching up the comedians to the songs? We let them choose. Oh, they choose. So when you when you book the thing, you say, uh, what song would you like to do? And then do you do some research on it and do a, like a deep dive into it yourself on the lyrics and stuff? Yeah. Come to think of it, it might be more fun if we forced a song on somebody. Like if we just <laughs> made somebody like, dude, like, like here's an artist you hate. Here's a song that you know. <laughs> I know. That, that, you know what? That would be my, my approach to it without even thinking twice about it. It's just like I, I am definitely of that school school of, of thought is like i'd rather somebody be in their outside of their comfort zone <laughs> and, and be a little bit put off by this now how am i supposed to talk about this i like uh, living on the edge though so how long ago did you uh, come up with this concept and and what made you come up with this concept uh i thought of the idea in early 2020 and it actually came from uh, a friend of mine uh posted this thing on instagram about not understanding a Nine Inch Nails song, the song Terrible Lie, she thought was turn off the light until she was like 40. She thought that's what he was saying. And uh, that just made me laugh really hard. But I will have to say, people think our entire podcast is about misheard song lyrics. And it was just a small segment that we would do. But we do pick one song every week and we go through the lyrics and we definitely talk about things we misunderstood Um as far as like the whole point of the song or just one line in the lyrics, et cetera. But I immediately, I had this idea of like, let's do a podcast where comedians talk about their favorite songs. Um, and the first person I thought of was Ben. I just texted him. I was like, Hey, do you want to do this? And he was like, you bet I do. <laughs> why, why was Ben the first person you thought of um, musically uh, um, sense of humor wise? Why was both. So Ben and I met like in the early 2000s at the Laugh Stop. We both were stand-up comedians there. Actually, he was living in LA, but had moved back to Houston. And uh, I, I think our connection was always not just comedy, but he he's my deep poetic friend who gets into his feelings. <laughs> no, I get that. No, I, I get that. And you know what? Um, that That's really cool. I mean, it's good that you can, you have that... Um, I don't want to call it spiritual connection because I, you know, that sounds all hooky. <laughs> but just I, when when somebody gets where you're coming from, musically wise, comedy wise, somebody gets you. That's a, the best uh, basis for a friendship. And it really is, and I, yeah. I appreciate that completely. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, so you're 150 in now, or 152? 160, 160, I think. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 
So when you first were starting this, obviously you had some experience and, and some connections in the stand-up comedy world. And basically, so for the format that most people, uh, we haven't really discussed this, you bring on comedians to discuss song lyrics. Right. So um, a lot of times, it used to be a, com a comedian guest every two weeks, but now we do it once a month. And sometimes we slip them in more. But um Sometimes it's just Ben and I, like we, he'll pick a song one week, I'll pick a song. And then we have a Patreon drawing where our Patreon guest gets to choose a song we talk about. And then we have a comedian guest, but um, yeah, we just started kind of pouring through all of our comedian friends and <laughs> roping them in to do it. And everyone's so receptive to it. I will say everyone loves the idea and just jumps on with enthusiasm. I've never had to twist an arm. Have you ever approached a rock star or some a recording artist <sighs> to, to do it? I mean, I'd love to. We just, you know, make us more famous. Uh <laughs> oh, I can get your publicist. Believe it or not. Well, here's the thing. S Taylor Swift or somebody who's who's making bank now probably She was isn't just good. in town. She just did three nights in Houston and set the whole city on fire. The whole right. city is covered in glitter. No one knows who's <laughs> cheating on each other. Right. But you she's not gonna be interested in something like this, but the people from the uh, eras that you have been doing, or at least the songs that I'm uh, familiar with that you've been doing, those people who are maybe a little past their uh, <laughs> Can you get us the guy from Rainbow? That'd be great. <laughs> yeah, those people are, you know, they're definitely looking for something to do right now because all they're doing is sitting at home either counting their money or, or like looking for or cleaning out their hash pipe to see if they can get one more hit out of it. <laughs> Come on the show. <laughs> yeah, so I get a lot of those and uh, I do a lot of musician uh interviews and those people you know people who are they're still relevant but they're not the taylor swift they're not on the top of the charts right now you get a lot of those people and i'm sure the take will be a lot different than comedian takes on, on uh specific um misheard lyrics now i play in a band and my singer my lead singer I don't think he knows the right lyrics to any songs. We do probably, literally, three thousand songs in our song list or more, and I don't think he has the song, the lyrics correct to anyone. He listen, listening and hearing lyrics correctly is a skill and an art. And sometimes, even when you get the lyric sheet, you're like, "Wait, that Wait, that what? doesn't make sense. How do you even make that fit?" Um, <laughs> So how how do you go about choosing the songs that or do you just say, well, you know, what did I miss here? Is that where you start from? No, Ben, you I, go. I like to pick the ones that 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 sort of that, that move me. You know, like the, the episodes that I like the most are the ones that, that like the songs that have always been with me since I was a kid. Like you know, the ones that have the ones that have guided me through my emotions or through my difficult times. Those are the ones that I like to talk about. I like to talk about my guys. You know, like like who's who's your artist? Like like when you when you're in a when you're in a sad state, when you're, uh, when you're in a fit, who do you turn to? Me, uh, I'd probably say Jackson Brown, but I'm an old guy. Uh, <laughs> uh, you guys are younger, so I'm just wondering, like your eras that were your like your 20s, 90s, maybe 90s, yeah. 2000s. I was yeah. a teenager in the 90s, but I liked more 80s music. I always have. Really, uh, yeah. MTV generation. Oh uh, yeah, oh yeah, very very much so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I'm me and Ben have a similar thing too. We both like gravitated towards like '80s new wave, like the Smiths and Morrissey and all that. But 
I'm also very rounded. I grew up in Houston, Texas. I cannot escape classic country. That's in my soul too. I I, I mean, I like it all. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Classic country. Now you're not going to get a lot of comedians who know classic country, are you? Or like uh, maybe a few. I mean, you'd be surprised. Like the old guys are fun. I think for everybody. I mean, who doesn't love a Conway Twitty or a Loretta Lynn? Well, people up here wouldn't even know. Uh, they wouldn't even know. Well, they could probably <laughs> name one Loretta. Uh, Loretta Lynn song just because of the movie, but Cold Miner's Daughter, yeah. I bet you uh, if I asked all of my friends, uh, name a Conway Twitty song, they couldn't come up with it. Okay, what know. about like Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers, though? Kenny Rogers, yes, Dolly Parton, maybe they'd come up with the, the ones that like nine to five, you know, the yeah. most <laughs> prominent uh hits that that she had or any of that kind of stuff. Um, so it, that's interesting. So you're you like live spiritually in a decade before you were born. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I do. <laughs> you know what? I think I might have a little of that going on. Well, I'm a, I'm a, I was born in the 1950s. So uh, that's old, yeah. but I'm definitely a fan of original rock and roll and that kind of stuff. Um, so with, with the genres and stuff, do you break it down? Do you go and get lyric sheets before and, and kind of discuss what, the two of you before you actually do the show, any kind of pre-production like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Sort of the, the first segment that we do, we do like a loose introduction and we sort of talk and get to know each other. But the first real segment that we do is, is me being a total dipshit reading the lyrics all the way through. Like we do it line by line. <laughs> and then, you know, I get, I get a little professorial. I get very English professor about it. It's like, okay, and here's the intro. Now we're getting to know the characters. Here's the conflict, <laughs> that kind of thing. It gets yeah. a, there's a, there's definitely a little dipshitty element to it, but, uh, <laughs> but, but I cop to it right away. That's really weird, right? When you, when you're just reading the lyrics, not in song form, but just reading them as, as poetry, it, it's just like, what the hell were they thinking when they wrote this yeah. it I, blows your mind the whole song you start to think of it in a whole new way because sometimes i'm like if you're just reading this on paper as it is it it i don't like it <laughs> sometimes yeah. i'm like i don't even like the song anymore um that's yeah there pretty... really is an element of like sucking the joy out of it that we do like, <laughs> like do you like the song we're gonna beat it to death for you <laughs> yeah um you know i don't think um here's the thing I think what I see a lot of this stuff, because my, uh, again, my band, my we do a lot of cover music, and my lead singer will will totally fuck things up a lot. But uh, what, what I see is it, it opens your eyes to a whole different uh, aspect of the song and maybe a different appreciation. Some of it, I look at like, wow, that has a whole different meaning. And then you have to, you have to go back and rethink the song. But I don't think it's ever kind of ruined a song for me. It ruined a song for you? That I will it say it made, one time, really understanding the lyrics made the song so much better. I went from not liking a song to loving it. And I'll give you an example. It was Warren Zevon's uh, Lawyers, Guns, and Money. Oh, cool. I thought, I never really paid attention to the lyrics. I thought he was just like singing the praises of Lawyers, Guns, and Money. Like, I love Lawyers, Guns, and Money. <laughs> which... I mean, that just sounds like the Texas like motto. You know, yeah. Let me and, let me clue you in, right? Nobody loves lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
nobody loves Blake. Exactly. So we had um, Nate Abshire was the comedian for that one, and he chose that song. And then I realized it's about a guy in trouble, and he's asking his dad for help. Like, please send lawyers, guns, and money. I need to get out of this. And I was like, oh, okay. I like the song now. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's a 70s song. Now you're going back even before, even even earlier. Uh, were you guys uh, MTV generation? Like, you grow up on, on MTV? Sure. For sure. Um, so, who lyrically wise, who would you say? And this is this is a, you know a really softball question. Favorite writers, uh, lyric wise, Nick Cave and Leonard Cohen for sure. Really? Yeah, it's the sad boy in me. <laughs> uh, the either of you? Oh, go ahead. You got a different one? Um, I have so many, but the first one that comes to mind that just hit the teenage sappy girl in me at 12 and 13 was Morrissey and Robert Smith. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I think for me, Jackson Brown, Jackson Brown is my all, uh, you know, all time favorite writer, lyricist, uh, you know, not necessarily um, uh, melody wise, but I, I think it, for me, I just grew up on that stuff and that's the stuff that I, that sticks with me. How uh, do you feel about Dylan? You know, I love, I idolized Bob Dylan for most of my life. Um, I've heard him in, in interviews re recently talking about he doesn't know who wrote those songs. Uh, he feels like that was a different person. And just recently, I found somebody else claiming that they wrote those songs and Bob stole them from them. Now, oh. I don't put, put a lot of credence in that. Conspiracy it, you know, YouTube. theory. YouTube person, but that kind of just totally rocked my world on that kind of stuff. It's just like, wait a minute, you're telling me Bob Dylan is a fraud because my generation grew up idolizing Dylan. Dylan was the reason rock and roll changed from just silly dance music to music that could incorporate a lot of really, uh, you know, intricate lyrical themes. Right. And if you're telling me he was a fraud and basically stealing somebody else's music, that changes everything in my mind. It just blows my world apart. I, I, I'm not ready to process it. It's so insane. I don't want to even give it attention. Right. <laughs> I, you know? Are you saying there's somebody out there who's claiming that they're the real Bob Dylan? Let's get that person on the show. Yeah, seriously. Right. Yeah. And and but I think he might be dead because oh. the the person doing the expose uh, that I saw was a woman who had claimed to know him. She didn't even, like, have any contact with this guy that Bob supposedly uh, stole the songs from. But it, it was just too much for me, and I had to just kind of wait a minute. The world has gone too conspiratorial, yeah. fucking upside down, and yeah. now you're just going to go one step too far with Bob Dylan didn't write, uh, like, a Rolling Stone or the Times are Changing, all the, you know, blowing in the wind, didn't write any of that stuff. I can't not write. I can't imagine being a ghostwriter for Dylan for that many songs and not being like, all right, all right, all right, all right it's me. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he sold his catalog for $500 million. You would have thought, you know, long before you got around to that point, somebody would have been looking to cash in. This is, we're talking about really 60 years now, 60 years of, of songwriting legacy. Yeah. Uh, you would have thought if, if it was a real thing, 
you would have brought it to somebody's attention. Yeah. Sometime <laughs> sooner than this. Um, so are either of you musicians in any way or, or songwriters? Absolutely or not. No. Resolutely not. No. <laughs> and that's the point we want to keep driving home to our listeners and people people who listen know um, we are not aficionados in anything music. We represent the two guys sitting at the bar talking about their favorite song and the person who actually knows the answers is over there just pulling their hair out. <laughs> yeah. So would, would you have a biggest surprise, like a single one that, wow. I mean, there are ones that people, they're part of the pop culture. Now the Jimi Hendrix, excuse me, while I kiss this guy and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Uh, do you have one, like a, a biggest surprise for you that you were singing this, the wrong lyrics for a long time? Uh, it wasn't wrong lyrics that was the biggest surprise, but it was uh, it was it was turn around bright eyes, like the idea that it was a real like a, a, a proper vampire love song. That was the one that was the real eye opener for me. Do you remember that episode, Diane? Yes. Oh my gosh, Wait, I had no what? idea what? that was a vampire musical. I, yeah, but, what, I always thought it was about a cat. Total no. Eclipse of the Heart is a vampire musical. <laughs> it's explicitly about. It's not like it's not like if you read the lyrics a certain way, maybe it's about vampires. It was explicitly written about vampires. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) I think that's a revelation. I wonder. I wonder how much of a revelation this is. To me, it is because I always thought it was about a cat, and I don't know why. Bright eye. I I know I had a neighbor with a cat called Bright Eyes, but it just seemed like it was. I think other people had that idea too. Uh, Do you get a lot of mail about uh, from people from listeners who say, you know, uh, thanks for pulling me in. I I was on the wrong side of this forever <laughs> I, don't, I don't we don't get a lot of mail in general but yeah we get a lot of like comments of like oh they a lot of people agree with this like i didn't know that either i thought the same thing you guys thought we get a lot of that wow would you take some of my mail because i get um i get <laughs> every day i would I love get... to be flooded with mail i um, don't think you would <laughs> <laughs> i will go back to when you're talking about having a musical guest so we did have Okay, so we had a friend of mine, she's in a band, and she covered a song by the band Lush. I don't know if you remember them. They're a dream pop band from, like, you know, the 90s. And she had worked with the lead singer of Lush, Mickey Berenyi. And so Mickey listened to our episode, and she said it was really wild to sit there and listen to someone else break down your song and talk about the lyrics and how it made them feel and just have to sit there and listen to, like, listen to it in that way. And she said she is willing to come on the podcast, but I've just been like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> well, no, I think that would be good. Here's the thing, though. I think, and I I don't think many songwriters would, would admit this the way I'm going to admit it, because I've written uh, probably about 3,000 songs, literally. Wow. There is a point where you're writing a song and you want to finish it and you've been struggling with the line and you just say, fuck it, this this yep. is it yep. and if it fits it, it's, it rhymes or it's rhythmically right you leave it in there i don't think a lot of people will admit to that but it feels like some of the things you're finding uh are that yes in disguise you know did, did anybody ever did you ever uh like look up the history and and how the song was written and all every that kind of every episode yes and we find that a lot and sometimes you get this songwriter saying Look, I could not make, I could not fit this line. I could not figure out what to say here. I literally opened my fridge and grabbed a beer 
And then I was like, well, that fits. I'm going to put that in the song. That's a Toadie song. That's the song Tyler. (laughs) So yeah, we do a lot of research on like as much as we can find about the making of the song as well. Interesting. Cause uh, you know, that as a songwriter, I know I've, I've hit that point in a song where this thing would be finished if I could just finish this one friggin' line and you have no nothing. Nothing is working. So you just say, I'm just going to go with the easy way out, whatever yeah. rhymes, whatever, you know, whatever fits in there rhythmically. Uh, and that's going to be it. And I'm just going to sign off on it. Never thinking somebody's going to sit there and read the lyrics. Pick it apart. Yes. Yeah. Where they're like, come on, man. Podcast are going to tear you apart because of Yeah, yeah. And someday in the future, down the road, somebody's going to actually analyze the frick out of your song. Yeah. And and just look at it. now uh the the part do you get any confessionals? Because I haven't heard any of like like where people start getting really deep about what the song meant to them because uh, comedians aren't really it. known for taking the mask off in public ever more uh, than you think yeah really yeah 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 people yeah. are very emotionally connected to their music and they pick songs because of like you know one girl came on and she had picked a song that it was her dad had passed away and it was his favorite song so she was mm-hmm. really connected to it in that way so we get a lot actually a lot more than you would think wow. i think comedians especially because they spend so much time alone you know like alone in the car alone in the hotel room like who's your friend like it's it's just your music right yeah right yeah uh, now, when you were growing up, your your main music when you were teenage years, what what was what was your main bag that you listened to, both of you? I was REM. I was U two. I was a lot of The Cure. I was a lot of Depeche Mode. Uh, Elvis Costello was a uh, Elvis Costello, and I became very very close friends when I was about sixteen or seventeen <laughs> because I see myself as a as a jaded intellectual, and, uh, <laughs> and, and Elvis Costello did a, a really really good job of. Uh, of, of expressing that personality. <laughs> wow. And Diane? Costello is is chief fedora guy. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm. Well, I've already mentioned a lot of the same ones, but I did, you know, I liked a lot of 80s and stuff, and I liked The Cure. Depeche Mode is my all-time favorite band. We're about to do an episode on Depeche Mode this week. We're going to record this week. But um, I also was uh, into a lot of punk and metal and grunge music. So um, I loved Alice in Chains. I was a fan of Nirvana. Um, I like some of the heavier stuff. I like Dead Kennedys. I like the the angry message and the angry feeling and a lot of the punk music. So I connected to that too. Very cool. Uh, have either of you ever played an instrument or written a song? <sighs> I tried. <laughs> <laughs> I've written a lot of bad poetry. I never even attempted to make it into a song, but I tried playing guitar, but I have short, fat little hands. I, I call them paws. And I just, I was like, it hurts. I can't. <laughs> no, I, believe me, I can relate to that because I have, you know, I have sausages. Yeah. I have sausages. Well, Vienna food, sausages. Yeah. No, you, you, those hands will be fine on it. But um, uh, it's just interesting that, you know, being from uh texas were you born and raised in texas I so am, many people. he's not oh no no i was uh, i was born in canada i moved to texas when i was 15. oh there you go canada is very much steeped you know i was thinking about this last night i don't remember why oh uh because stephen page from bare naked ladies might be coming on and i was thinking about the number percentage wise 
of musicians in Canada. I mean, population to, you know, uh, musician incredibly high uh, number yeah. of uh, and great musicians out of canada and i was uh but houston texas i think everybody plays guitar there right everybody <laughs> in everybody in the state isn't it like mandatory like you have to it felt, it felt like that growing up <laughs> yeah so and we talked about this and this actually kind of went not viral but got a lot of attention on instagram of uh what's the first but it felt like to me growing up the first thing you learned on guitar was smoke on the water by deep purple maybe a lot of people were like no but i was like okay everyone i knew that was the first thing you learned um and then we were like before that though what was everybody doing and it was a lot of um uh god i'm having a brain fart like johnny be good like a, a lot of like older bluesy things yeah uh my first song was wooly bully okay that's a good uh, one yeah, well, like that's when I was a kid. Yeah, <laughs> that's how old I am. But yeah, no, that's interesting. Uh, you know, that whole bit about um, you know, basically, um, you know, learning to play, and then learn and, and dissecting music. And I know so many musicians and bands that I know who still botch lyrics up. And so, uh, you know. Basically, your show is an educational program <laughs> for is. people who are out there working cover bands right now. <laughs> uh, so I will say, like, when we first started the podcast, we would ask people to write in and tell us their personal misheard song lyrics. Um, and I think that's why people think our whole podcast is about misheard song lyrics. It's not. It's about the song each episode. But... Um, Cause we're like, we don't want to hear the ones that everybody knows, like the, the, uh, dirty deeds done dirt cheap, the dunder chief, like everybody knows those. Um, we wanted to hear your personal ones that you were embarrassed to have wrong. But, uh, my, I was going to say one of my favorite ones was, uh, someone said that old town road song. They thought it was, I'm going to take my horse to the hotel room. I'm going to ride, <laughs> which I, I just thought that was super funny, but <laughs> The bulk of the each podcast is about the song and how the song made you feel and connecting to personal stories about it and stuff. And when we have a guest at the end of each episode, we ask our guests uh, their guilty pleasure song, which is always fun because some people don't understand that concept. They're like, why would I feel bad about liking any song? But um, I do. Oh, no, I get that one. Because there was lots of judgment when I grew up. Uh, if you listen to AM radio at all, you were a geek, a nerd, whatever. Uh, I don't think we use those words, but I can't remember. It's been <laughs> that far back. But you were an outcast if you listened to anything that was on AM radio. This is a time when FM was just becoming um, a thing. And then everybody said, oh, you listen to AM? And basically you were branded at that point. Um, so explain the difference. What would be AM music versus FM? Um, well, I'm going to go back to, cause this is the period and you might not know these songs, but, um, windmills, of, not windmills of my mind, uh, playgrounds in my mind. My name is Michael. I got a nickel. I got a nickel <laughs> shiny and new. That was AM radio. So is it like safe PG music? Very. Or? Yes. Okay. Uh, kitty McCarthy's park, you know, adults, <gasps> it was for parents and children. But if you were anywhere between 15 and 30, 
uh, and you wanted to listen to harder music at the time, which was in rock in those days, you had to be on FM. Led Zeppelin never got played on AM radio. Gotcha. Uh, and Deep Purple, you meant, you know, it basic nobody, nobody played that kind of music on AM radio. It was all okay. safe. The Beatles were the hardest thing on AM radio. Gotcha. Uh, so it, it was a transitioning time, I guess, in radio. And then uh, later, when punk became a thing, it was just like that was AM wouldn't touch that stuff. And that's when AM just became talk radio and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 FM was like a dark alley or FM was like like the space under a cool kid's bed. Yeah. <laughs> I like uh, that. Every, either of you have any experience in radio? No. 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 We just have experience in not being shy and liking to hog the mic. <laughs> so what, now I'm just curious when you, when this idea, who had the idea? Did you have the idea together? Or I did, but then we kind of developed it together. We, we got together and kind of talked about how we wanted to structure it and what we wanted to do with it. Okay. Uh, any, uh, any surprises along the way, as far as, um, you know, production wise or expectation wise about how it would be received or any of that kind of stuff? I'm constantly surprised by how absolutely ignorant I am. Like every episode <laughs> we do, like I discover something new. My biggest reveal for me was that, did you know that the violent femmes are not in fact two gay girls singing love songs to each other? <laughs> No, I didn't know that. My whole life, I thought that was the whole fun of the Violent Femmes. I thought they were two gay girls singing horny love songs to one another. I thought every time it comes out of the bar, it's like we're all no, no, three dudes from Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Uh, believe me, that's one thing uh, where I am totally, you know, I just assume that kind of stuff all the time. Bare naked ladies, I thought for probably the last. For first five five or six years, I knew about them. I thought it was bare naked ladies. Like, they sound like guys. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I want to see these chicks naked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that, yeah. So that that's pretty interesting. Now, um, I want to talk to the guy from the bare naked ladies because he had to know, like, when he was work because he had to work his ass off on one week. Like he. It it probably it must have taken him nine weeks to write that song one week, and yeah. the whole time he had to know how absolutely annoying it was going to be. Don't get me wrong; it's a great it's a great song, but he had like like this is an earworm. It's going to eat people's brains. Yeah, that's interesting because I was thinking about that song. It's some there's a line in there. What I forget now. There's a line in there that I wanted to ask him about that just would not go, you know, in today's world because uh, everything is just like gone so crazy with cancel yeah. culture and, and like you can't say that and can't say this. Forget what there's a line in there though. That. Uh, that and it'll come to me probably after we get get off the air today. Uh, any of that like cancel culture kind of stuff creeping into uh, your approach to what you do, like. Music-wise, finding stuff that... I will say this. I grew up loving Michael Jackson, and I am i don't want to touch it. I, we haven't done a Michael... We've done all the famous people. I mean, we're 160 episodes in, and I don't want to touch a Michael Jackson song because, like, you have to talk about him. And I'm like, I don't want to. I just want to talk about the music. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, I found some things online, and I thought there was a Michael Jackson one in, in here that would surprise me. Biggest surprise of uh, misheard lyrics. 
that for you personally? So like, wow, that that was a shocker. Can you think of your biggest uh, surprise? Mm. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> I was like on the that. spot because I mean, 160 episodes in, I think we found one every single song that I, I mean, just like little things. <laughs> like we just did, we just had Greg Warren on. Uh, that episode is out this week. Everybody go watch his special. Uh, and he ch- <laughs> he's notorious for picking terrible songs, and um, but it makes a great episode. But he chose "She's Like the Wind" by Patrick Swayze from Dirty Dancing. Wow, I forgot that one. The first line is "She's like the wind," and I thought he was saying "She's like the wind through my dreams," and it's literally "She's like the wind through my tree." <laughs> through my like, tree. <laughs> yeah, I was like, no. <laughs> That's See, I, kind of uh, me I, I have to uh, be admit that I would probably never listen to the to the lyrics in that song. <laughs> <laughs> Most people do. I don't. Yeah, um, not necessarily my thing. But the most repeat offenders I'm looking on here because there's a um, website here that I found that has basically you know misheard lyrics and stuff. I think that's the biggest part of it. But you go into the deep. deep I have one. Uh, the biggest shocker to me was Seal's um, uh, Kiss from a Rose. That Yeah, it's Kiss from a Rose on the gray, not right. grave. And I'm like, what? Yeah. How? How? That's that's an interesting stuff. Now, And, and I would want to get the musicians on to, yeah. to get to the bottom of this. Like, what, Explain yourself. Any, any interest in that, like booking the yes. actual songwriters? Oh, my God. On? Yes, I just, we only know comedians. We can get Stanhope on. We can get those people on. Yeah, yeah. But I'm uh, like, Stanhope, get your buddy Johnny Depp. He's kind of a musician. Like, get Marilyn Manson on for us. Come on. Yeah, no, I can get, I can definitely hook you up with some. You know, <laughs> get us some I, I, I don't want to disparage my guests, but they're not, they're not the tw- uh, 2020 you know hit makers they are well people... we're not listening to that anyway we right yeah. <laughs> but i can definitely get you some contacts for people who are classic rock era and forward up until about 2000 somewhere in bring in, it uh i would i would love to talk to somebody who fully admits that their career is over like not in any <laughs> kind of sad way like somebody who's just like 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 in their 60s just like i i'm not gonna rock and roll anymore this is my package i put a bow on it i'm I willing think to you, talk about it you're limited it's, to johnny Lydon. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take them because I don't. I can't think. I've talked to a lot of them, and I can't think of anyone who admits their career is over. They, now they will admit that their heyday, you know, their big, or best earning years, and their moment on Entertainment Tonight or as the charts or any of that stuff is over. But nobody admits that their uh, creativity is over. Or their time. I get to, that. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I haven't done stand-up in nine years. I quit like the day I found out I was pregnant. And uh, but I never I never want to tell people I I stopped doing stand-up because I'm always keeping a notebook and I always got like one little pinky toe imaginary on the stage. Like I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna get back up there. <laughs> I think you will when your kids are in college. Yeah. Uh, now you have kids, yeah. How many kids you have? Just one, just the one. Just, He's almost nine. Just one. Uh almost nine. Now musically uh what is he into he is he's been in school of rock for almost three years now he plays guitar he's learning power chords he's learning the drums uh and he likes it and he's good at it 
Wow, very cool. Yeah. Uh, I would caution, uh, uh, and you can't, you have no influence over this, but you want to have influence over this, but trust me, you have no influence. I would, I would try to talk him out of becoming a professional musician if I could. I uh, No, he's <laughs> too smart for that. I am pushing him more towards engineering. That's more his uh, bag, but I always want him to play. Yeah, I they did that with how. me too. <laughs> uh, it didn't work. It didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> um, so now when you do, because the, the last episode I saw, I thought, oh, no, I can't think of the guy's name. Damn it. I hate that one. I've seen your moment. But it was, it was a Phil Collins song. Oh, Rob Mungle. Yeah. 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 Um, but he wanted to talk about, now, I don't want to disparage the guy. But he wanted to talk about things uh, technical about the recording of the song and, and, and things. Some things that. Did he get it wrong? Yes. Okay. Well, he he's not a music guy. He's, he's not gonna. A musician either. Yeah. Yeah, I know. So that does that stuff matter to you, or you, you... <laughs> not in the slightest? No, <laughs> we wouldn't even catch it. No, it wouldn't even catch it. And it makes us happy when that's what I was saying. People like you who know are pulling their hair out, and I'm like, then write us in, <laughs> interact with us. Then. Yeah, so. yeah, and it's not like I, I want to uh, be right. It's just I can imagine the songwriter or producer listening to that and saying. I don't know how that got spread around. That's not how it went down. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And that's why we wish if this podcast would grow, we could do the first half with like just us idiots talking about it with the actual songwriter in the waiting room. And then they come on and tell us everything we got wrong. <laughs> oh, that would be incredible. <laughs> yeah. I know. Recently, I had Kenny Aronoff on, who was the drummer for John Cougar and Melican. Okay. And um, we were talking about, uh, Jack and Diane and how that song came about to be, especially because the production is so weird. It's just this really this the small guy who did song. The drum fill on Jack and Diane? That was a, because there were the two drum fills from my era that if you were a musician, they were the holy grail of drum fills. And they're not the hardest, but they're the most impactful. And that's Phil Collins in the air tonight and yep. the Jack and Diane. Yep. And yep. Kenny, first of all, he gave a nod to Phil Collins because Phil Collins' record j had just came out when he mm. was in the studio doing that. Yeah. But going through the the mechanisms of that song and, and just learning about you know how that came to be, that's uh, a really really cool thing. But there are so many you know misunderstandings about how things came to be. Tell and him to come on because we did a Jack and Diane episode with our friend comedian Paul Odo and it's a very funny episode and, and you know of course we're talking about the lyrics and sucking on chili dogs and stuff but we talk about the drum feel and the music of that as well. I'd yeah. love to hear his side. Yeah, I read I, an article and it, it must have been about this guy but I read an article that I, I don't know if it's true but they they're basically they were saying that 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 John Mellencamp is just like okay and then we're going to do a drum fill. So I think I had like four minutes to think of like, this is what I'm going to do. It was like, now here's your moment. Like, go ahead and try try 15 seconds from the booth to the drum set. Like, you, you better come up with something super creative or your career is over. <laughs> now, uh, Kenny Arnoff had gone to uh, music school. He was going to be a orchestra conductor, orchestra percussionist. And he gave that up to kind of pursue rock and roll and his dreams coming true and now all the pressures on him in that 15 he talks about 15 second walk from the drum booth what the fuck am i gonna do yeah yeah <laughs> and that's he, amazing yeah oh it, it, it's and the reason i had him on was specifically to talk about that song because the production in that song is so surprising to me 
as a musician that you can go from this really, you know, small acoustic sounding thing and then all of a sudden break it out into this big old drum drum yeah. fill. And he, the the kicker for this, and I don't want to spoil it for you, but he was doing that big drum fill and he ran out of drums. And he just thought, well, I'll just do a triplet on the end here. And I know uh, uh, expecting uh, they're going to hate this. Uh, and they, oh, you nailed it. And they, it was like the, the perfect thing. And they were happy with it. But he he was like lost. I boop, boop, and then out of drums. So I just, and just flubbed the end of it. I have to go and listen to it again now. Very cool. Yeah. It's amazing. 15 seconds can change not only your life, but everybody else's life as well. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. Like how many human minds that drum fill is in? Like that nervous yep. walk to the drum set. Like, yeah, yeah. Unbelievable how that paid off. Should teach people lessons in trusting themselves. I don't know how many episodes we've done where we were like, this song was the first take. Like the the demo that sometimes it was just a demo and they're like, nope, that's it. That's what's going out. I think um, was it one of the Cindy Lauper songs that we did yep. was one take, first take. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Jack and Diane was not supposed to be on the album. It was a throwaway song. And it was like, you know what? There's no reason they even include this song. It was just not thought of. That's what's amazing to me is how many of these these huge big hit songs are B-sides or like you say, like throwaway albums or, or very nearly didn't make it. Or the band had to fight with the label to like to get this one released. Like yeah. These are classic songs that everybody knows. How do you not understand that this is the hit? Slash, yeah, yeah. Slash hates Sweet Child of Mine. He hates it. He didn't want to right. do it. I, I mean, I, it's crazy. Yeah, I can, I can understand why he hates it. <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't say that in, in any kind of mean way. I have a, listen, I'm no, I'm no rock star, but I, there's a song I wrote called Love Song. It's a really stupid song. And I, I it, we can't do a gig without it being requested. And I, it got hey, to the I'll point, like, I cursed the day I thought of writing this song. I did it as, it was a joke. I never, uh, never wanted to really play it in the first place and it's the most requested song that we play and it's just like oh man i hate this song i wish i would have never written it it's just you know well, so i can i could see if like a, a monster hit like sweet child of mine oh god but, that would be my my dream guest would be would be a rock star just like you who hates the song that they're most famous for. Like we get yeah. Axel Rose on to talk for ninety minutes about how much he fucking hates Sweet Child of Mine. Yeah. <laughs> I would bet it's pretty common. Uh, the yeah. biggest hit is de definitely the one like oh do I I just want to get through one gig without playing that song. You know, said, <laughs> Tina Turner doesn't get uh, what's love got to do with it. She's like I hated this song. I didn't like it. I didn't get it. And I'm like I'm. It's amazing. Okay, yeah. so hey, we are going to have you on as a guest eventually. And <laughs> because I don't know your music specifically, we what song would you pick? What would you want to talk about? Uh, geez, that's a that's it's, a tough It's one. hard, right? You get anxiety when you're like just one. I pick one. <laughs> no, um, you know, I'm very lyrically um I would, you know, I don't be really feel like uncomfortable trying to answer that on the spot. Yeah, um, gotta, gotta because you know whether it's misunderstood lyrics or lyrics that are, I would pick American Pie. Oh, that's a good yeah. one. We haven't done that yet. We tell our guests pick a song that connects with you emotionally, a song that you have a story about, um, and that helps people. They're like, oh, well, this song means a lot to me. Like we had comedian Jason Lawhead on, and he chose "I Can See Clearly Now." by Johnny Nash, because it was like hearing that song at a certain point of his life, like changed the whole trajectory of his life. Like, that's what we want. We want the story. Right. I started playing uh, 
American Pie probably about seven or eight years ago, and I was shocked that kids in their 20s were going crazy. Now, they come up with this diff- thing that was never in the song. Uh, uh, this will be the day that I die, and they go, whoop, whoop, whoop. I mean, when did that become part of this song? <laughs> it's not a whoop, whoop, whoop song. <laughs> whoop, whoop, whoop. But uh, it goes over with the younger generation incredibly well. But the song has so much meaning to me. And you talk about uh, misheard lyrics or misunderstood lyrics. That one is chock full of allegory and all sorts of uh, misunderstandings about what the what the thing uh, what the words actually mean. So that song, I, that's definitely the one I would pick. Well, we're going to pencil you in this year and you're going to come on as a guest and we're going to do that song. I would love it. That would be cool. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Um, now, uh, f- for the podcast, why did you, why? What was your hope to, or was it just something to do for fun during the pandemic? What, why did you start it? Well, we started right before the pandemic. And I think, I, honestly, I don't want to speak for Diane, but I think really what it was is, is probably like your Charlie, your son was, was old enough. It was like, it was time for you to do something with your own headspace, right? That's exactly what it was. Uh, I, you know, I didn't work anymore. I was tired of just being a mom. You know, I used to do stand up comedy, I used to have a life, and then I just, become this mom that didn't do anything for a while. And I was still too tired to get back on stage. And I was like, but I went back in the game and I I'm social and I want to do something entertaining. And it just, it just hit me one day. And I was like, I love music. I love comedy. I want to talk about it. And uh, it just came and I researched and I saw no one else was doing exactly what we were doing. And I was like, this is it. And I have a background in graphic design. So I was like, I can figure out how to do all the design work. And I, you know, I, just, I, I was like, I can do this. Let's do it. Let's just do it. Um, I'm a bartender, so I got nothing to do all day long. <laughs> really? It's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> now, is that uh, a fulfilling life? I mean, I'm not judging at all. I'm just questioning. <laughs> is, is, is that a good life to have? Yes, it is, Mom. I'm happy. <laughs> I'm not, I promise I'm not judging, judging you at all. No, I understand. <laughs> You know, and the reason I ask, and without judgment, is that you know, if that makes you happy and that's a that's a good life, then God bless you, man. Because so many people struggle doing things that they feel like they should be doing to please somebody else, and it doesn't fit their life. It doesn't fit their lifestyle, and they feel out of place. So, if you find something that fulfills you and you feel happy in that spot. God bless you. There's no better place to to be in life is to be, you know, discover who you are and where you're supposed to be in life because this is something people struggle with in, in, yeah, in a big I like, way. I like the social space that I occupy. Like I like being a connector. You know, I like I like I like knowing, hey, that guy should know that guy. You know what right. I mean? Like like being being that sort of social lubricant is 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 good for me. That now, makes me happy. I'm not particularly where, good at it, but I'm getting better. Where you ten bars? There a jukebox or is there uh, live music? What what do you got? There's both. There's that uh, we do we do a jukebox. I run a Spotify playlist, and then we have we have DJs. We have live music. It's a uh, it's a fun little place. So what is the, the what is the genre? Uh, it's all over the map. It's a, it's the, the bar that I work at is I joke that it's a, that it's a bisexual bar. It's a pansexual bar. It's a bar for, it's literally for everybody. Like you'd never know who you're going to talk to. And it's, it's all, it's extremes. You know, you go, we, we got, it's, it's in the museum district in Houston. So we'll get like 
sometimes they'll get like well-heeled groups of people who are coming off of fundraisers or something like that. And then they'll mix in with our, uh, with our heavily tattooed, you know, music kids. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a hell of a blend. It's a real melting pot where I work. That's really uh, surprising. I've spent some time in Texas, but not in the Houston. I was on West Texas, but uh, Houston is not what people who've never been here think it is. I right, mean, all, well, all the big Texas cities has Texas. this really conservative uh, um, the idea in in, in America's yeah. mind. We think of Texas, and which is really weird because it got founded on the idea of being a rebel state. Right. But now people look at Texas, and all they see is, is red. Right? They yeah. see red and because it, it's all farmland that votes red. But when you get into the major cities, they all vote blue. It's it's yeah. not what you think. We have the biggest. We used to have the biggest LGBT parade in all the nation, bigger than New York, bigger than San Francisco, and we're still running strong. Wow. Yeah. Now that's don't get me wrong. Be... You're very right to think of it as a very very red state. Texas is not turning blue anytime no. soon. But it but it's <laughs> but close. The cities are very very blue. You know. I I would I would I'm not saying you're wrong about that, but I'm saying I would I would never be so bold to make that prediction because everything we we tend to believe that uh, you know things are one way or another, but I think think we're really close. We kind of exaggerate our differences in in to make us seem blue, red, whatever. Yeah. I think there is an area that is purple that is people don't want to recognize that, you know what, some of my actual beliefs about issues cross over between red and, and blue, and some of them are in the purple zone and, and all that stuff, because in my lifetime, Texas was a Democratic mm-hmm. state. Yeah. Uh, we used to have a Democratic governor. The, right. Houston had a three times elected openly lesbian mayor. Three yeah. times elected. And now it's like, no one gave us attention for that. Mm-hmm. Wow. I think everybody is everybody is more or less purple. It's just that everybody has their lines that that, that are yeah. you know a bridge too far. Like you can't cross that line. Yeah. You know, with, with with me, it's it's social issues, it's LGBTQ issues, and things like that. But I talk to guys my age who live in Houston, and it's economic issues. You know, like yeah. like they work in oil and gas, so the idea of of oil and gas regulations is their bridge too far. Like you right. can't do that. That affects my business. I can't right. ever vote for you. Right. Right. So radio-wise, in in the Houston area, um, is is it still is FM radio still a thing? I don't know. I've been, I don't I've listen been to it. To, I don't even have my radio programmed in the car. I don't know. <laughs> I've been listening I, to podcasts and my own music, you know, for ten years. I haven't listened to the radio, and I don't know how fucking long. I don't know how new music gets to people anymore, to be honest. Because when I am in my house, I'm listening. If I'm listening to anything, it's podcasts. And then when I'm in my car, it's Sirius XM radio on the station that I choose, like First Wave or or comedy or a podcast. And I'm like, without MTV and FM radio, how are you guys even hearing these new songs? Right. <laughs> This is my concern. And also, um, the idea, it's its so weird when you talk about these things because it sounds like all you're in is for is the money. But money makes art happen, whether we want, you know, the myth of the starving artist is an is a ugly myth. But if it weren't for money, you wouldn't have had the great art that we have. And I'm just wondering where, 20 years from now, will there be anybody doing what what you guys are doing or will it all just be like computerized ai created 
garbage. Yeah, I don't even want to think about it. It's just so scary. It's 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 absolutely frightening to think about. Like, what will we be doing with our minds? Will there be any creativity left? I don't know. I sometimes right. I tend to doubt it. I yeah. hate the idea of you losing the human connection. And I mean, even with this new generation that's so addicted to their phones, and so am I. But like, you see all the memes of like, oh, going into another meeting that could have been an email, and I'm like. You're just fucking yourself. You don't understand the power of brainstorming in person and how much better the ideas get. And you guys are losing that. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, and uh, I get that now. Uh, so with, with that, what, what do you listen to today? Like, you're not. Are you still listening to what you grew up with? I'm trying. Okay. I'm trying to get better about new music, but like I just said, I don't even, I have to ask my friends, like, send me stuff, send me something you'll think I like, because like, I don't even know how to find it anymore. And I've never been one to like top 40 in general. Like I'm not hunting down the latest Lizzo song. I'm not, and I'm not just being an asshole. I'm 45. It's just, it doesn't connect to me anymore. I gotta say you, you look, great for 45 let me let me just say i would i would have guessed you were in your 30s uh, oh thank you botox is amazing thank you (laughs) (laughs) but but this is the thing because everybody has a home studio everybody is producing stuff and there's this flood of music but the idea my generation and people like you know curmudgeon old people that music today sucks it's not like my day when there was good music i think there's plenty of great music being produced out there finding it is a bigger challenge than it's ever been because there are so yeah because there's so much of it so in order to find what you like if you go through spotify there are probably no exaggeration three billion songs Yeah. yeah So to find new music that fits your taste and something that you can relate to is you're going to find you have to dig through thousands and thousands of songs that are cookie cutter pop stuff from from modern radio and that kind of stuff where it's the same chord progression, same kind of uh, dance beats or, right. or and it's just overproduced and uh, you know what i sound like a curmudgeon now but no we both agree with you on that we have constant arguments with some of our friends about like how we don't like pop music and they're trying to explain the value to us and i'm like ah it's just it doesn't have depth it's it's formulaic and i don't like it right but i hate to be complete watching all one with one brush because if you do a deep dive on spotify or apple itunes or whatever apple music now you will find stuff that fits those genres that you say wow this is really good but it was hidden under so much crap it took me a day to find one good song that i really relate to that's a new song um it it, it, you know it's just really frustrating it's work it's work right (laughs) so is there anything like that in comedy that that is on the because AI, Jackie Martling the other day sent me a, a he asked a, AI to create a song that sounds like him, uh, create a joke that sounds like him. And I would have sworn it was him. Isn't that crazy? Uh, I don't like it. I yeah. don't like it. So is there anything like that, uh, you know, just oversaturation to the point where it becomes computer drum machines for for comedy? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? There's always been. comedy. There's always been hack premises and overdone material for sure, but I don't know, Ben. What do you think? I don't think AI could take over comedy because because comedy is 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 reflex. 
You know, like it, it's not. I don't, and it, for me, it's personal stories. AI can't bring up the shit that happened in my bathroom yesterday. I mean, like that's gross. I didn't mean to go bathroom, but yeah. it's personal stories no. that people yeah. connect to. No, I get it. But but here's here's the, here's where musicians went wrong with technology, and I think it, it's a pitfall for uh, comedians. So it becomes. I'm getting writer's block and just just put on a drum machine to give me in a beat and start writing a song like that. And then the song gets done, but it has a, you know, robotic or very right. stiff feel to it. Right. I think if because it, it, it seems so easy, it's I, I'm writing a, a new hour here, let's say. Mm -hmm. And I have this tool that can run take care of 20 minutes for me pretty easily. I'm going to start using it. And then they start incorporating little by little, taking pieces of AI written stuff to perform. And before you know it, like 90% of your material is computerized. And this is what happened in music. I watched yeah. it happen. Right. I think you know. you're right. I think the best music is is going to be a collaboration. You know, I think it's I think it's those it's those three pieces. It's the it's the, the four piece band. You know, it's like getting in the room and and I'm not a musician, but you can tell the difference between like like a song that's been four guys sitting in the room jamming it out and somebody just sitting at the piano by themselves trying, to, trying to do it all by themselves. You know, like it has to be collaborative. That's where the fun is. You you would think, and I agree with I agree with you know if you're paying attention. Uh, but uh, going back to the Kenny Arnold thing with John Cougar Mellencamp that, and Jack and Diane, mm -hmm. that is a drum machine. That's uh... throughout the whole song. The only thing that's not the drum machine is the drum fill that comes into the, that break, which is so, the magic. But Kenny had to, and this was when Lindrums were first coming out, and Kenny had to learn the Lindrum. Like guy came walking in with it, and we're going to use this on this song. He's like. And so he had to learn to program it in the studio on the part. And that's where it got, it just felt like really rigid. We need something to make this feel human again. Go out there and play a riff. So and let me say this real quick. The episode we're about to do is on Depeche Mode. And as you know, they were very open about in the beginning. They're a synth pop band. They use keyboards. They put their drum machine on stage. They weren't trying to hide the fact they didn't have a drummer. And it wasn't until, you know, each album, they tried to grow and change. And when the Violator album come out, they had decided, let's bring in a guitar. Let's start mixing like what people love about our synth stuff with a guitar and other music. And that album is the one that exploded for them. And it's when you do that and you start doing that collaboration of like, you know, a little bit of the the synth and then bring in the real stuff that people like, oh, I like that. And they started getting like um, the, the album before that like experimental with sound. They were going out to a train yard and like banging on metal and like, you know, recording those sounds and like, let's get some real stuff in here, not just play on our Casios. Um, when you start playing with all your tools, I think it, you start making stuff that's interesting and good. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I love um, taking the, the handcuffs off of artists and just saying, you know what? Uh, free, be free. Yeah. Uh, to create in any way that you want. And sometimes that can lead to good stuff and sometimes it can lead to shit. But I think you have to be... Open to experiments. Yeah, and willing to create shit in order to, or, you know, end up with something that's not shit. I, <laughs> my hope for AI is people don't just lean on it in a lazy way that they were like, how do I use this as a tool to make something good? I I would share that, but... Uh, you don't I think, think that's so? Be no, because I know human nature. And... Listen, if something is going to make my life easier and make it, you know, take 
a day's work and condense it into 20 seconds of me just uh, coming up with key phrases and stuff to input. I'm going to go with that. But don't you think the audience is going to get like a little like, I'm tired of hearing this. I don't know. I think the audience is going to start craving some uh, individuality. Oh, I would. Yeah. Listen to your local FM radio. (laughs) I know what top 40, I know what appeals to the masses. (laughs) Yeah. Kids don't. I'm not uh, an old person who likes to disparage young people because I believe I believe in especially in Gen Z, like in Mm -hmm. Generation Next, whatever that is. But I believe in them more so than I believe in millennials. (laughs) But uh, you know what? I think if you grow up with something, you don't know that there's something else you could have been introduced to like so if you grow up with radio always being that you don't know that there's different kind you, you have alternatives and different kind of radio and different kind of programming you don't know it exists you get locked into that I don't yeah know. um do you choose the songs or your guests choose the songs did we, did you... we our guests chooses the song but like i said we do one week i'll choose a song one week ben will choose a song and yes we choose our own Okay. Uh, and how often are you uh, uh, publishing? Uh, every week, every Monday. Every Monday uh, at a certain time? Uh, uh, yeah. So what we do is for, if you subscribe to our YouTube, you get it early. You get it Sundays at 11. Um, everything else drops uh, Mondays at 2 a.m. But yeah, every Monday. Now, uh, you have comedians on as guests. And I know you say you do some shows without guests, mm-hmm. but any... Um, because you were comedians and, and have a well full of any any uh, prospects of running out of of cool guests in, anytime soon? <laughs> I don't think so. We're finally getting to the point where people are asking us to be guests, which is pretty cool. That is cool. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Uh, now, tough guests. And I don't want to put you on the spot or get you to say bad, anything bad about people. <laughs> <laughs> but I know Doug Stanhope a little bit. Uh, and I've heard him say a thousand times he doesn't like music, but I that's know the first been... thing he said. <laughs> so, uh, what what song did he? Do you remember what song he? Chucky's he... in love, Ricky Lee Jones, because he had a story attached to it. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I don't think most people would even remember that song because it was <laughs> it wasn't like a huge hit, right? Chucky's in love, maybe it was. Not I... Really, I didn't that's... know it. You don't know? No, you didn't know it because. I'm thinking back and now maybe 1980. That's when that song, you know, 1980. Was, yeah, it was right uh, around there. Yeah. Ricky Lee Jones was not, I think she had one Grammy winning album and then faded into the dust too. I mean, it's a Texas yeah. girl. Texas girl. Texas girl. Doug, uh, you know, Doug's going to do Doug. We knew we were having him on. We're like, he's running this show, this episode. We have no yeah. control. <laughs> do you but, remember uh, what Andy Andrews picked the, uh, the song? Yeah, he did. Uh, oh God, what would he do? I can't remember. He's got it, an interesting taste, which is why I. Uh, it was his first concert. See, we have senior moments too. Hold on. Uh, I wow, can get senior it. moments at forty-five. I, I mean, they're, they're coming. After I had my kid, they started coming fast. <laughs> <laughs> Andy Andrews picked uh, "Quiet Riot," "Metal Health," "Bang Your Head." I don't oh, even right. know that, that one. one. That episode got retreated by Rudy Sarzo. Yes, yes. The uh, what does he play bass for? Uh, he was the bassist for for Quiet Riot. Yeah. Wow. So we got. Yeah, 
I know. See that? I, now it's coming back to me. But I, I when you first mentioned the song, I was like, oh, I don't remember that one. Uh, mm-hmm. But interesting. Uh, so um, anyway, I, I appreciate you guys getting up early and, and coming on the show. I really, really do. And I, I wish you a lot of luck with this thing. Now, goal-wise, um, do you have any, like, um, I don't know, where you where you plan on taking this thing or how long you plan on doing it for? Or are you just taking it as it comes? We're going to do it until it stops being fun. Exactly. <laughs> when one of us, when it becomes a chore that we don't want to do, then we'll stop. But I mean, we're three years in now and we're still excited about it. We're, we're pushing to do our first live podcast this year, uh, a live show. So um, yeah, when it's not fun anymore or no one seems to be listening anymore, we'll, we'll stop torturing people. All right. Now that, that would be cool. Live show. But do you mean like this? Cause this is live or no, do you mean go a- to a club? His yeah. work upstairs at his work. They have they do shows up there. Um, yeah, audience. Very cool. That would that sounds like fun. I'm trying to uh, do something like that in comedy clubs here, though. You know, because and it's not like it's an original idea. Plenty of people have done it, but nobody's doing it here where I am on Long Island. There's no you know nobody's doing actual live podcast shows from the club itself. I, I now I'm the reverse of you guys. I am a musician who's more into comedy clubs yeah. and, and doing stuff, having comedians on. You guys are, when well, you guys have comedians on, but you're talking about music. I do have my fair share of musicians on too, but yeah. I've, I'm more interested in comedy these days. It's always like that. It's such a, a kind of incestuous thing here where one always wants to do more of the other. It's always like that. Yeah, Sam Talent and I, two years, three years ago now, uh, we got into a discussion about who's cooler, musicians <laughs> or comedians. And we both you know, chose, I chose comedians and he chose musicians. Oh, no, music is so, so much cooler. It's like, no, comedy is so much cooler. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, you know, you know, the grass is always greener. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So uh, wrapping up here, who's your next, uh, who's the next guest to you know, the Greg Warren thing was a great timing. Was that planned? Yeah. Or? We, we were supposed to have him on last month, and he was like, uh, let's do it with my special drops. Very cool. Who, who's up next? Or do you know? Uh, I'm not sure. I have one friend in the pocket, and sometimes she flakes out on me. Uh, Jenny Johnson, comedian. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm actually not sure. Wait, Ben, uh, ben you have an OnlyFans page? No, someone I do not wants, have an OnlyFans page. Is someone wanting to? <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I can start one up for you if you want, Craig. There's that, that's that's not. I mean, you're going to have to pay. You're going to be my only fan, literally. So you'll be my <laughs> only money. Only fans is one I'll guy. I'll be a kept Ben for you. I'll do whatever you like. If, the, if you bring enough cash, Ben's yeah. a slut. He doesn't even care. Are you guys uh, are you guys uh, fully monetized sponsorship and and all that yet or not, not yet? I'd love to have enough listeners to do it. I will sell out. Let's do it. <laughs> all right. Well, I will definitely send you some uh, some contacts within the musician world, so maybe you can get some of these rock stars on to talk about their own Please. songs or. It'd probably be more interesting. Uh, you know, I'm not telling you how to run your show, but it'd probably be more interesting to have people talk about their contemporary songs and you know the lyrics of that kind of stuff. You right. know, all interesting stuff. No, but I wish good. you 
lots of luck with the show, man. Thank I, you I, so much for having us on. This was so fun. Yeah, I, I, you know, please do come back sometime, and it would be great to talk to you again. I'm going to try to, uh, to, to think of uh, some, some people, some my, uh, my wish list for guests for you guys and see if i can uh, get your contacts and all that stuff and send Please. it your way i'm i love your concept i love thank the concept you. of yeah. it and i and i i just uh i wish you great success and i, I thank you guys for coming thank you so you're much. on my wish list i'm looking forward to doing american pie with you yeah all right. <laughs> okay i might come down to Houston and do uh, let me know about the club I'll, I'll bring a band down there and we'll, Ooh. We'll, we'll, oh yeah let's do that let's do that yeah, yeah it's very cool you guys have a great day thanks for coming and thank and you bye. thank you um, <clears throat> Diane and Ben from Rock the Cash Bar podcast. You find it wherever you find podcasts. I uh, hope you enjoyed that conversation. Uh, and the latest one that's out is with Greg Warren, who has a special out right now. You want to check that out. I'm going to take a quick break and I will be back in just one minute if I can just find my break music. Damn, it's always difficult when I'm trying to. Just go get a fresh cup of coffee. I will be uh, right back with Hey, yeah, mind dog. Yeah, yeah, mind dog. If you're ready for some action, this dog sure to keep you laughing. Let's go. Mind dog. Yeah, yeah, mind dog. Don't roll, don't play fetch. Only here to keep your interest. Uh, this is the show that you've been missing. Full of comedians and musicians. Plenty of interviews, entertaining. Keep it funny, there ain't no debating. Uh, so authentic and straight raw, pushing the limits when they talk, doing it live when they stream. Mind dog TV, yeah, so crazy, getting intense. The dogs are wild, better beware before you hop over the fence. <laughs> mind dog, yeah, yeah, mind dog. If you're ready for some action, this dog sure to keep you laughing. Let's go, mind dog, hey, mind dog. Don't roll, don't play fetch, only here to keep your interest. Let's go, come have coffee with the dog. Uh, good talk there. Um, really cool, uh, stuff there. Now I, uh, was looking up some of, uh, the weirdest lyrics of all time, uh, 18 of the most ridiculous song lyrics of all time. Uh, some of them, Eminem is on the list. Uh, there, there's black eyed peas are on there quite a few times. Uh, Miley Cyrus, the clash, should I stay or should I go? Uh, you know, Blurred Lines, uh, Fergie Fergalicious. The Killers are on there quite a few times. Just, you know, there are so many um, misheard song lyrics. Now, I have a difficult time. Black Eyed Peas, again, I got a feeling. Uh, the Killers are on, on these lists a lot. Killers have many songs on these lists. Uh, Puff Daddy, um, Jesse J. Wild, Justin Bieber. I wouldn't know any of his stuff. Um, Coldplay again. I probably wouldn't listen to any of that stuff, but fascinating stuff anyway. Um, anyway, uh, what was what was um on my mind to talk about? I, re I I'm having a senior moment, folks. You're watching this in real time. Dementia. Welcome to the Dementia Podcast. I am your host, uh, Donnie Dementia. I can't remember what it was. I'm not going to stop trying to remember what it was. Anyway, tonight, is it tonight? No, I don't. It's not tonight. 
I am really going through. You see, you see what you're seeing here. You see what you're seeing here. This is a senior moment in breakdown. Uh, tomorrow, tomorrow I have um, uh, Jonathan Flanagan will be on. Uh, he's an LA-based comic. He's gonna be up at six fifteen a.m. to be on the program. Uh, Dementia with the dog. Ian's got it. Dementia with the dog. Um, <laughs> I gotta get, go back to the rap guy and then I'm ask him to add in some. You, you listen to Dementia with the dog. Um, Jonathan Flanagan, who is a uh, LA-based comedian. Now, here's the thing. Could I? Do I even go here? I've been getting a lot of requests from comedians that claim friendship <laughs> with, with superstars, uh, comedians, you know, national names that you would know. And I check it out, and a lot of times people just talking. If you're going to send a request in, you don't, there's no prerequisite of knowing people famous or being part being well established in the comedy scene i have a pretty strong track record of taking newbies people who have been in the game for six months you don't have to lie to me to impress me that's all i'm just going to say about that if you uh see don't tell me you're friends with bill burr and that you've toured with bill burr as a request to be on the show and then I go do some research and can't find any evidence of that anywhere. Don't tell me you're, you know, you've uh, done road time with a certain, you know, national headliner, and there is no evidence of that. Just say I'm a beginner comic. I'm looking to, I'm looking to make some, uh, some headway here. I'm looking to get my name out there. I'm looking to, you know, talk about what I do. And uh, you can be on the show, but I don't. And then so tomorrow night, uh, Richard Lynch will be with the country music from Ohio. I'm really uh, impressed with what Richard Lynch has done out there. He's a recording artist, songwriter, singer, songwriter, and independent to the hilt. He's not dependent on anybody, even for gigs. Built his own concert hall on his own farm where people, he doesn't have to leave home. People come and fill his concert hall on his property. That is always ready to go, ready to do a show whenever he wants. My God, that's my dream. <laughs> I would love that situation, just to be able to go out to your own property and have a uh, crowd of people who appreciate your music ready to fill your little theater that you've built on your own farm. Who's got it better than that? Now, uh, playing country, strictly country music, might get me to kill myself, if that's all I could play. Now, I'm a big fan of country music, but only country music, if that's all I could play all the time, I might put a gun in my mouth. I'm just saying, I might. Um, but, so, you know, but other than that, he's living the, the dream. Living the dream, and I use that phrase probably too often, but that's living the dream. Just setting up your own concert hall on your own property, having people come to see you and you don't even really have to 
hit the road. Great stuff. And then uh, Thursday, Mike Vanderveen, uh, comedian, will be with me. Uh, and that I look forward to uh, touching base with Mike. Mike has been on the uh, program before. He's a funny guy. I follow him on social media. Uh, and he is uh, working it, working it. Friday, don't have a guest yet. I'm probably uh, not going to have a guest. I may re- rerun the Henry Phillips program on Friday morning, depending on um, how I'm feeling. Haven't heard from um, Colin in a, a couple of days, but I understand he's got a stream. I think I could be wrong about this. I think he's got a stream coming up today um, with uh, last rights. Um, I'm listen. I t- probably talked too fast and say things. Maybe he doesn't, but I thought I saw something where he, he had a live stream coming up today at 11, which is almost that now. 11 our time? 11 my time? Could be. Uh, anyway, maybe I should just shut the fuck up, right? How about that? Okay. Uh, now I'm a little disappointed with that. That's not good news. Oh, by the way, Joe Biden has uh, officially announced that he's running for president. And uh, I'm thinking about officially announcing uh, that I'm running for president, too, because I think America would probably if we're going to go with um, old people who are on cognitive uh, cognitive decline. Why not me? I got a little more time left than, than Sleepy Joe. Right. Am I right? Anyway, uh, that's disappointing to me. I would have uh, hoped that Biden would have um, realized he served his purpose and move on and give somebody else uh, a chance. Now, who that somebody else might be, God only knows. I don't know if there's any, after this bullshit all clears, all this, after Trump and Biden are both dead and buried. Where does America go from here? Uh, who knows, man? There is not anybody in either party or e- even in America that I think, except for me, I would have <laughs> uh, any confidence in in voting for at all. Nobody in either party. So it, it will be interesting to see after these two old geezers uh, finally uh, kicked the dust. Um, what happens? What happens in America? Where we? Where do these two fucked up parties go once the old geezers' brains just turn to to dust? And they, you know, let's let's face it, folks. Both of these old geezers' brains have already uh, turned to. Turn that dust. What is Ian saying here? You should have them on your show anyway and grill them about lying and touring with, with Bar. Oh, the comedians? Yeah. Yeah, maybe I'll do that. I, I You know what? I don't know. I'll take it under consideration, Ian. I'm not really... I'm not really looking to get into arguments with anyone. Yesterday, I'll just say this for... I know I'm running over time. I've got to say goodbye to Gubs and all that stuff. Yesterday, I got into an argument with some dipshit on Twitter. And I wish I wouldn't have. I was commenting back to Steve Byrne. Now, if if you follow me, you know that I'm a fan of Steve Byrne. uh, And have promoted him. He's been a guest on the program. 
Uh, I'm not sure he enjoyed it. He's probably one of the few comedians I have had on who would probably give a negative review to the experience. But I am a fa- I remain a fan of his, and I have promoted his work. Yesterday, he was on talking about John Stewart on Twitter. First comment was about John Stewart and how John Stewart ruined. He didn't use the word ruin, but ruined. Comedy as far as political comedy and by pushing it too far to the left and spawning, as he put it, all these far left comedians. And I took a little bit of exception with that because and some of the names he mentioned, Bill Maher, like John Stewart is responsible for Bill Maher taking a hard left turn. Give me a break, man. John Stewart was on MTV doing music interviews when Bill Maher was doing Politically Incorrect uh, on on ABC or wherever he started out with that, uh, in the early 80s, and John Stewart was an MTV guy. John, you know, Maher's politics predates Stewart's success by many years. And to blame John Stewart for comedians being primarily on the left is silly to me because my whole life, the best comedians now, you know, I don't know how to say that. The best comedians have been on the left: George Collin, Richard Pryor, uh, Freddie Prinze, I mean, right up to the modern day people. Even Bill Burr, Bill Burr is on the left. Now you could say Dave Chappelle has t- made a hard right turn only in the trans issues, trans gender part of part of his politics but he's pretty much still on the left most of the comedians i've known my whole life known of my whole life have had a bit of a leftist slant to them that's not to say that you can't be conservative and funny there you know jim gaffigan and brian riggins you know there are people like that but you know he put this out there that he has been a centrist. Now, Steve, burn me. I don't think he's been a centrist. I think he is on the right, not far right, but on the right a bit. Um, but I asked him, give me an example of right-wing comedy, today's right-wing comedy. And some dude, uh, and I put in the educate me because I don't, I feel like maybe I'm missing something. But I don't see anything from the right wing that just that can be literally called political humor, right wing political humor. What I see passing for humor on the right side now, and I'm very willing to admit that I could be wrong about this, but what I see is Trumpism, which is insult humor, your wife's too ugly to fuck, which is not really a joke, but that's what they laugh at. Or the Jim Brewers walking around the stage like a chicken or a goat or whatever he's doing. I'm not seeing pointed, thoughtful humor from anybody on the right. So I asked him, educate me. Show me an example of this. I got crickets from him. But one of his fans, uh, who is an anonymous troll, doesn't have a name to his Twitter handle, wanted to jump in. And getting an argument with me about 
you know, basically assuming that I'm a hardcore leftist and assuming that I'm saying that comedy uh, is only of the left. No, political comedy, though, you don't see. And maybe I'm wrong about that. I'm willing to to admit that I'm wrong about this or, or at least accept I might be wrong about this. You don't see anybody doing pointed political humor that has a real issues-based take. And he said, well, give me an example of one on the left. I, one second, let me pull up George Cullen on abortion. And he's doing a 20-minute thing on that. Or he's talking about uh, war and, and the right-wing, the military-industrial complex. The very pointed left-wing takes on political issues. You don't see that from the right at all. But this one guy wanted to argue with me, and he was clearly trolling. And I ca- got caught up in this. And, then, and finally, I got to the point where I said, what the fuck am I wasting my time with this fucking guy who's got six followers? He doesn't have a real name. And he's looking for a fight. And then he started, you know, trolling the comments on my uh, Twitter page, basically. And, you know, and not admitting that he's a troll. <laughs> Coming on and arguing with stuff that, uh, you know, arguing with people who are leaving comments for me, uh, just like invading my page. So I finally blocked the guy. But I don't know. There's no point in getting caught up in that stuff. And I try. I try to, to talk myself out of it. And when I find myself doing it, smack myself and say, what the fuck are you even giving this asshole a platform for? Because a guy with six followers. Now, listen. I'm not a follower prude. I have I'm in no position to be a follower prude. But on Twitter, if you have six followers, that means the people in your life, your friends and family, don't even give you the time of day. Because my first hundred followers on Twitter, now they may not actually follow me. They're they're not like interacting with me every day but my real friends from my real life and my family were the first hundred followers if you got six followers that tells me nobody likes you nobody you got no friends you got no family nobody gives a shit about you at all again i'm trying not to be a follower prude because you know me with my number whatever the hell a number is compared to anybody else my numbers are small but it's not about that. It's about does anybody does anybody value you at all? If you got six followers, chances are, I'm sorry to say, nobody gives a shit. Six people give a shit about what you say, and they might not be following you also. So why am I giving any energy to somebody like that? Something I'm learning to deal with, but slowly and surely. Anyway, um, what the hell? Oh, yes, baby. Somebody's talking to me. Oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. I'm not going (laughs) to belabor that point anymore. Anyway, um, I guess that's a show. Is that a show? Does it feel like a show? It doesn't really feel like a show to me. It doesn't feel like I, I really completed anything here. I do have some business to take care of. I appreciate you all stopping in. Uh, be interesting. Again, the Matthew McConaughey thing is up there. If you want to just browse around and catch some of the rare, rare 
moments of ridiculousness with him playing bongos and talking about spirituality and uh, his Me Too moment. There's some comedy in there, but you have to mine for it. But uh, bail before the grift at the end. There's a little bit of grift in the beginning, too. Um, but that was, the high, you know, the stuff with Tucker and Don Lemon yesterday um, pretty much taking over the news. Let me just uh, briefly. Um, I don't think people read, read I do think too, too many people are reading too deeply into the uh, cable news firings. I think it breaks down to pretty simple things. The billionaires and stockholders that own these companies like employees that follow orders, follow instructions. And if you step over the line too often, you're going to get fired. And people coming, oh, well, Tucker got fired because he's a lie. No. Rupert Murdoch still employs lots of liars. <laughs> Lots of people who have, uh, they're still stating, you know, re repurposing QAnon conspiracy theories and stuff like that. He doesn't give a shit about the content. What he gives a shit about is, I told you to do this and you didn't do that. You work for me, goddammit. You're out. According to one story that's out there, the final straw for Tucker came when he called Sidney Powell a cunt in front of Rupert Mur Murdoch. That could be. That could be. I, I I, don't. That to me is as plausible as any of the bullshit reasons that people are putting out there. Don Lemon. Don Lemon probably crossed the line with the uh, brass at C CNN. But the, the fact with Don Lemon is I have as many people listening to me as listen to Don Lemon. The fact that I even know Don Lemon's name is a surprise. He's a nobody. And so to be shocked that CNN finally is starting to wise up and say, people who don't bring us any revenue, don't bring us any money, have no following, don't deserve a primetime show. It's that simple. Nobody's watching you. You're fired. Unfortunately. I don't work for anybody, so nobody can say that to me because nobody's watching me now. Uh, Mike Kaufman says, Tuck was fired with no severance. I'm sure he's he's got a nice little cushy bank account. He's, I'm not worried about Tucker going on food stamps anytime soon. You know, he can always live on fish sticks, Gortons of Gloucester, right? Is he the Gortons fisherman? He is, he is the heir to the um, fish stick um, fortune, <laughs> the fake fish fortune, the manufactured fish for fortune. It's hard to say. Say that ten times fast. Anyway, I'm going to call that a show. Uh, um, Mike Kaufman says is uh, Michael Kaufman. I always knew him as Mike Kaufman. I don't know. Now he's Michael. Uh, his ex-producer is suing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody wants a big payday. Every, who's suing me? Uh, maybe I shouldn't put that out there. 
I tell you, you got to stop putting uh, DMT in my coffee in the morning. I'm going to head on out. You guys have a great rest of your day on Tuesday. I'll be back tomorrow, uh, and we'll we'll have some uh, comedy and well, some laughs with Jonathan Flanagan. Jonathan Flanagan. Jonathan Flanagan. It doesn't really rhyme. Why am I trying to make it rhyme? Jonathan Flanagan. Jonathan Flanagan will be with me. Uh, comedian from L.A., and it's going to be early for him. Uh, 6.15. Uh, L.A. time when he'll come on tomorrow. And um, again, I'm just going to employ you to cut the L.A. comedian some slack. It's really difficult to be funny at 6.15 in the morning. <laughs> but, you know, troopers for trying. Uh, so join me then. Till then, I am your loyal dog barking at the moon. I will see you tomorrow. Don't forget to turn on your radio.
listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now.